HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit www.rt11.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, October 19th, 17th. <laughs> I'm one of you. Were your... like, I'm warming up my lips today. I have like, concentrated. I've, I've been I have meditating for four and a half hours. And I blew it in the second sentence. <laughs> today is Monday, October 17th. I'm one of your hosts, sadly, Jacqueline Ravozo. I write, believe it or not, about people who make food. You can find my work in me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 35 straight and single. And I am your other host. Who should be in the hot I am, seat. I am your sober-minded host today, uh, even though I'm guzzling a glass of wine over here. Ben uh, Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasional bartender, and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 34 straight and in a relationship. After the break, we're going to be joined by Ella Morton, the associate editor of the website Atlas Obscura and the author of the recently released book of the same name, which is an explorer's guide to the world's hidden wonders. It's the first of our other world series that we're running this October. So we're going to chat about some weird and wondrous places around the world with her. So let's kick off the show, Ben, with quickly sharing, um, since we're talking about travel today and weird travel a uh, favorite food excursion somewhere around the world. You. Yeah, um, I was on tour with a play a few years ago, and we were touring like some really small German cities, uh, playing at American mili- U.S. military bases in Europe. And one of the cities we were in was this very sort of small but gorgeous mountain town called Garmisch, and I had the most delicious dish I think I've ever had which was a venison goulash that so we, we was like with the cast and the director of the play 
and like we like all like we all wanted the venison. Like it stood out on the menu as like the thing we all wanted. And we like all ordered it, and I was sitting next to the director and the playwright of the play, and like we were all kind of like digging bit it at the same time, and it was like so good. And she just literally without warning, just like it was so she was so. It was so good that she just slapped me in the face, as, like with like so like, like really so hard. hard. Yes, yeah. it was just like, Aww. oh my god, that's delicious! Whack, Whack. Like right in the face. But I un- and I understood it. Right, you know, it was like, just, yeah, it was that good. Oh, that's amazing. How about oh, you? I love it. Well, um, I just got back from the Azores Islands a couple of weeks ago, where my family is from, and I went with my dad and my two tios. And our sort of our sort of mantra, our rallying cry the entire trip was lapash, krakash, and chichahus, which are three types of fish that you can really lapash and krakash you can really only get in the Azores. And in September, the fish is perfect, and so lapash are these little muscle like things that you mm. can get mostly roasted my one of my tios my older uncle get, ate them raw on one of the oh, islands which yeah we're like which is crazy because i i could never look at them the same way again because they're little like horn like things are like moving and like they're like they're literally oh it's like their little mouths are gaping and you're looking at them and then he just cuts the heads off and puts hot sauce on them and eats them and it's that i'm an adventurous eater but just the way these particular things look when they're alive in the shell in front of you and then you eat them changed the way I looked at them forever, like roasted in front of me on a plate. But anyway, lapas are amazing. Krakas are my favorite food in the entire world. They're these little barnacles you pull out of a shell. They're steamed and served cold, but they taste like the ocean. They're just cold and they grow on top of other things. So they'll actually like grow on the back of lapas shells. They're amazing. And shishahus are like uh, sardines, basically, or like a mackerel. And they're just um, so lapas, krakas, and shishahus on these tiny islands in the middle of the Atlantic I in September. I feel like going back to your lapas story that like <sighs> the sadder it is to kill something the better it tastes you know what i mean like i'm sure I'm, there's a, like... Not, like, I'm like the opposite of a vegetarian it's like the worst you know like i'm sure veal. there are i'm sure there are plenty and, of like, heritage shows that have explored this <laughs> like the the worst you know like the like <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah anyway. now i want some lapish and some crackish. i'll take you there one day benjamin I'll take oh you there we'll go day. on a a romantic so, journey so to speaking Portugal. Of, speaking of romance, so since I got back, you've been on a, <laughs> a dating whirlwind. It was a busy week. Tell me, I went on three first dates, and they were all decent first dates. So I'm sort of dating three people right now, and I don't know what to do. Playa, because <laughs> I haven't felt good. And listeners of the show, the past couple weeks, like my my illness is flaring, and I don't feel well. And so, but you managed to have good dates anyway. I did because I've been working the whole like having a good time even though I don't feel well thing. Um, but the thing is, it's not. So so we were going to talk about, like, how do you date, though, when sparks is maybe a word to use, when, like, you don't have the physical energy. So, so all right, so there's a universal thing where, like, you can date somebody in the beginning and not necessarily feel like a crazy romantic thrill or, like, you know, like a magic, like, there, you know, there's no birds singing or whatever. But also, like, I'm in a physical body where it's really hard for me to feel physical excitement for much right now because I, everything is about containing my energy and about sustaining it. And if the past week has proven anything, it's that I used way too much of it and it made me feel worse. And so, like, I like even today and ye- yesterday and today, I was like, whoa, I've got to pull myself back. This was me doing, like, way overdoing Friday and Saturday particularly. Like, I've got to pull myself back because I'm going to kill myself if I keep on doing this. So, like, how do you date when... You know, how do you start something new when you want to be in something romantic, but like you don't have the physical capacity you used to? And the problem is that 
you know, it's like, what are the, what are the freaking odds that like I date for so long and don't have one good first date. And this week I go on three dates and they all ask me out again and they all kiss me goodnight. That's, and I mean, like, first of all, that's, I know there are worse problems to have. Uh, I know you poor thing. I know. Um, wow, 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 wow. No, I mean, I think, look, we all want sparks we all want romance we all want to like feel super excited about the person or people that we're dating um i think though that potentially for you this could be like a really great way to not only find something that is like not necessarily just based on like that tingly butterfly feeling which fades eventually no matter what but also for you as someone who deals with illness and a, physica- a physical life that is, you know, not always at peak level, that, like, it could be an opportunity for you to find, like, A, someone who is ready and willing to, like, be with you through that. Patience and there, also, yeah. like, be what it, find out what it's like for you to be with someone when you're not at your best right. and what that's like for you. Um, like it could be a really great learning and growing experience finding something that works in spite of the fact that like maybe it's not the height of romance for you at this particular moment. Right. And there have been and don't get me wrong, there have been like, you know, embers and sparks within and like the and and, and it's obviously it's too early to tell with anything with any, you know, it's it's three first dates and one second date with three individuals. Um Yeah, but you know, also like I think it, in general um, that spark, that thing you're talking about, that is in my mind is desire or lust. No, to, to I don't. Some degree. No, because I mean, I felt desire and and lust, and I don't. And I don't think that's because I do think that is necessary in some degree in the beginning of of dating somebody. Like you can't. How many dates can you go on with somebody if you don't feel desire and lust for them? I mean, if you're, plenty, if, why, why? I mean, again, like. Everyone is different, right. right? I mean, there's how many a dates would you go on with someone? Dates. So we're talking about like the, you're going, you're not getting to know somebody and going and hanging out. You're meeting them and you know you're going out, and they want to be romantic with you, and your the goal is for romance. Like, how many dates would you go on if you don't feel well, any attraction guess- or, or romantic spark or semblance of lust? Because especially given if you're in a body that has limited energy, you're not going to waste your time being, you're not going to waste the time that you have, the energy that you have going out with somebody that you don't feel any romantic spark with. Well, then I guess it it begs the question of where does a romantic spark come from and what... I just think a romantic spark is different than when you just said lust, you know? I just think that's, you know, like a sexual spark is different than a romantic spark necessarily. Sure. Um, Yes. But I guess what I'm saying is that a romantic spark feels like some, or romantic feelings are things that can develop over time and that right. aren't necessarily based in what we might, the spark of what you might say that you're looking for on after a first date, which is like different than feeling romantic feelings for someone. Right. I think if you're feeling, you know, sparks after a first date or on a first date that is typically based in lust it's based in superficial things it's not based in true knowledge of another human being i think a good relationship and then 
lasting, enduring romantic feelings are ultimately based in friendship. Right. Well, I'm not even thinking about lasting and enduring right now. I'm thinking about <laughs> second dates with three people and how I'm going to even manage second right. dates with three people. Well, yes. I mean, obviously. And, that, that and that's and, and there's the lust component with that, too. Like, you know, there there have been there have been some examples of that. Can you share one? No, because I have not had the conversations with these gentlemen about the radio show. I don't. Two of them know about the radio show. I don't think either of them are listening but I've not had, con- but the convert, you know, the whole like, oh, we talk with our deities about what we'll say about them with the radio beforehand. Like, so I'm not allowed, I can't talk about them on the radio right now. So these have to be largely that's, I gray mean, area I, things I, right now. And also none of the three of them know that I'm dating, to, that I've been on two other dates this week. So if either of, the, if any of them are listening well, to I the mean, show, they've just heard me say that I've dated two I mean, other I would people be, last week. I would is, probably be making the assumption that if you're all dating, that they're probably dating other people. Seeing, you know, you had one so. date. There's I no, of you know, I don't owe them expectation they of don't exclusivity owe me anything, at this point. Of course. So what's? Um, yeah. Um, what? We're fine. Okay. We're fine. Yeah. Um, what's your plan moving forward with these three gents? I don't know. I have a date. I have a third date with one of them um, coming up, and the second one is trying to plan something, and I'm just taking it uh, one day at a time because my energy ebbs and flows and the way I feel ebbs and flows. And so I do not know what the hell I am doing. In your mind right now, is there a favorite? No, that they are three completely different human beings. You're smiling at me in a way that you think, no, I, in my mind, if I'm being honest with myself, there's one that I could politely say, I'm not maybe interested in a third in a second date with sorry. okay so like there's one who's kind of like you're going out with out of plainness again no i just no i just i mean may i don't if you're know. the one who's listening jen <laughs> sir no i just no. they're three completely different human beings but the thing is i've only been out with them with two of them once and one of them twice and i don't know what the hell i'm doing and i don't know so i'm not giving myself a hard time about it and i'm just trying to do what I can. With so, the cards so ultimately, the question that you will brought up is, what do you? How do you date without feeling sparks? And I guess my question for you is, what do you? Like, well, it's not. How it's do not you? sparks is not necessarily the right word. I don't. I'm not at full energy. And so, like you know, one of the guys asked me out again for Wednesday night. I'm going out with one of the guys on Thursday night. I've got work things Tuesday night and Thursday night and Saturday night. Like, and I can't burn my body out. So I had to say no to the guy on Wednesday night because I'm going to make myself sick from dating three people at once. So I'm just so I had to say no to the guy. On Have Wednesday. you felt comfortable? And when you said no, were you did you feel comfortable being honest about well, the, the reason? He or? was the guy that doesn't know the reason. Because, okay. And so I said, so how did that honestly, conversation go? it was a text. It was a very quick text that like I have to get up early for work on Thursday. And so I can't meet on Wednesday, which is completely honest, you know, which is a very fair thing to say. I mean, I think this is potentially an an interesting time for you with these one or more of these guys where like. It gives you an opportunity to have these conversations early on about... I will... And with the first... Two, I will say about the third. The third is the only one who doesn't know about my illness. And it was fun going out and not talking about it. Yeah. With the first two, it was great to have deep conversations and feel respected and not feel looked down. And they're good people with good things to say and their own shit to deal with. But it was also fun on the third date to not have somebody know and to not talk about something serious. And with that, oh, all right. <laughs> with that, why don't we take? You want to change the subject break? now? I think what, we should take a commercial. Right when I had break. like the perfect question well, what, for you about, I, 
like well, what was your question i'll think about it all right well, what was your question well you mentioned to me that like on the one where you didn't talk about things that like there was maybe like more sexual chemistry happening on that date well, he got a little, and he, so i'm wondering about the relationship between the sexual chemistry and the lack of intimacy and it was the just more, more intimacy and the less sexual chemistry well he was the one that we met in real life and he asked me out in real life so we he didn't meet me online we knew less about each other in general he got a little, you know, like we were just having drinks. It was the end of a long week. So we knew less about it. So it was, it was so much more like basic getting to know yous. And then it was like a guy just making out with my face and it was fun. It was just more of a fun, like old school getting to know you versus like, so yeah. So yes, part of it was just, it was more fun because we didn't get into deep shit, but it's also like uh, online profiles. The other two guys were okay. Cupid where you get to know each other more. Because there was a lot more backstory. So yes, part of my like part of knowing my illness, but it was also part of knowing their shit. I know a lot more deep shit about those first two guys than I do about the third. Right. You but know? it's interesting that those two where you actually had more information about them and they had more information about you, there wasn't as much physical chemistry On the as first like date. That's true. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Chemistry thing to action take into is a word too, not physical action. Anyway, anyway, I will finally let you off the hook and uh, we'll get to take our break. break. Uh, next week we will be continuing our other world series with Ophira Edith of the Astro Twins, the official horoscope readers for Refinery twenty nine and L dot com, amongst others. She's going to share both the mystical and practical elements of astrology. And since Jacqueline and I are both Leos, and we found out our guest today is actually a Leo as well, um, how one horoscope can be applied to two different people in two very different stages of love. So come back next week for that. And if you're enjoying the show and want to help us do what we love to do, jump onto heritageradionetwork.org, click on that beating heart, drop a few bucks our way, and let us know you've done so that we can so that we can properly thank you for it. We really appreciate any support you can give our nonprofit team here. Now sit back as we hear more about our sponsor for the week, and stay tuned because we've got Ella Morton to come. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Ella Morton is an Australia-raised, New York-based nonfiction writer and the host of the travel show Rocket Boom NYC. She's also the associate editor of the website Atlas Obscura and the co-author of the book Atlas Obscura, An Explorer's Guide to the World's Hidden Wonders, recently released by Workman. Inside this book, you'll find a treasure trove of fascinating places around the world, like the Kingdom of Women in the Yunnan province of China, where lineage is passed down through matriarchal lines, the National Museum of Funeral History in Houston, Texas, and where to buy medicinal eggs hard-boiled with the urine of young boys in Dongyang, China. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. Or where to visit an opera house in an old abandoned mining town in California, where the solo ballerina painted her audience directly onto the theater wall so that she never danced to an empty house. 
You can find that last story on our website, and we've got Ella here to share a few more with us. Welcome to Love Bites, Ella. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So we've asked you to bring in three stories for us that we want to discuss. A story from the book about food, a story about love, and just one really creepy story since we're in, in October, and it's a fun month to sort of get our goosebumps up. So why don't we start with a creepy story from the book? Oh my goodness, sure. Okay, so this never fails to get a reaction. This story of a luck-attracting, wealth-gathering garment known as the necropants. These are held at the Museum of Icelandic Witchcraft and Sorcery. And according to the museum, they're a thing that were real. When were were they real? This is like 16th, 17th century. But uh, once you hear the story of them, you'll wonder if that's actually true. But we, we're going to take them at their word and say that, yes, this definitely happened, absolutely, several hundred years ago. So the necropants are... Just a- the name already <laughs> freaks me out. Yeah. The, the clue is in the name there. They are... Well, I'll tell you the procedure. So you would start, if you were an Icelandic person in the 17th century, by approaching a male acquaintance ideally a friend and you would say to them when you die may i have your skin that's an easy conversation to start it's a conversation starter at a party jacqueline may i (laughs) now you don't want my skin (laughs) but no i mean let's not be unreasonable it's not the whole skin it's just from the waist down of course practice practice it's a practical Mm. favor (laughs) so once you've had that conversation and they have said yes i guess uh you wait for them to die and then when you kill them well, yeah, that would was expedite there anything the process. Against, was there anything against in, in your story about, like, if you killed your friend? No. Okay. I don't think it matters how they die, though. So it doesn't matter how they die. So they die, yeah. and that's it. They die. All the funeral rites happen, blah, 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 blah. They're buried. Then the fun begins. So you dig up the corpse. You flay it from the waist down. <sighs> but you have to make sure to keep the skin intact. So all in one piece. Once you've done that, you don the skin pants... As, as though they were a pair of trousers. And the next step is to... And this this seems, like, pretty excessive to me. I know, I love how there's, there's more steps. It's no, like, that's this, not enough to wear the skin pants. <laughs> this next step is where I go, mm, I don't know about this. Um, so you have to steal a coin from a poor widow. The I don't, poor widow is already poor. I don't and know now you're already it's a like, widow. It's like the opposite of Robin Hood. It you're stealing excessive. from the poor... The poor widow. Yeah. I don't know why the poverty is an, is an essential component. <laughs> yeah, right. Can it just be like a wealthy widow? I know. It's harsh. It's really harsh. But this is what you have to do for the necropants. So you, you steal a coin from this poor woman who has nothing. You place it in uh, what I will call the scrotal pocket. So it's the pouch. Okay, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, you know what I mean. Um, so you put the coin in there. And then what apparently happens is that this coin in the groin attracts more coins and you become rich. And it's just that easy. Is there proof that this I mean, that doesn't sound that easy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that easy. There is Rather no than proof. getting a job, you get the necro pants. <laughs> I mean, times were tough. Times were tough in times 17th century tough. Iceland. Yeah. Fishing was, you know, High a unemployment hard rate job. At that, <laughs> in those days. Um, is there proof that this worked at this museum? Not so much. Not so much. Um, a lot of things at this museum are like, yeah, this definitely happened. Ah. Wait, the, you said they actually have a pair of the pants on display? The pair, it's a replica. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's not actually okay. made from human remains, okay. but it sure looks like it. I feel like this is the Halloween costume of 2016. Yeah. Oh my, no. 
Benjamin. I'm not. Benjamin, no, absolutely not. Benjamin. I mean, maybe a replica. Maybe. The, well, no, I'm not asking you to go and wear somebody else's skin pants. Um, would you? Do you think, Ella, if you were alive in this time, would do the necro pants thing? I don't think. I mean, even just on an aesthetic level, it's not a great look. I wonder if it'd be comfortable or not. Yeah, you would have to. You would have to well, do the timing right. I mean, I. As somebody who has stuffed many a chicken skin, I can tell you it's a very delicate process of like getting things underneath skin without ripping it. So I feel like it must be, first of all, you'd have to get a friend who's larger than you. And I feel like the removal process is its own problem. And so putting it on, like, it's not, I mean, this is, this is a hard, hard it it would take skill. I feel like we'd have to So creepy, yes, we've got covered disgusting also I but mean, also just... very hard to do like i feel like you'd probably have to have a butchery background to make it happen successfully yeah these days who is really dexterous at flaying chef a chef, a chef. <laughs> there's a probably chef. plenty of seats in this studio have been filled by people who could who could do make the, the necro pants <laughs> All right. So can we, not, speaking of which, let's go to a food story. Oh God, okay. can because we really not, want to go to food right after that? I think it's pretty appropriate. So we're not going to talk about I mean, the food the, one's almost equally disgusting. We're not yeah. going to talk about the peeing eggs, which readers, you should definitely <laughs> Why get the they book. use girl urine? Why well, did it have to I be boy urine? I want people to buy the book. So buy the book, okay. if only for the urine egg story. But you've brought us another creepy food story. Yeah, it also involves human remains, which I hope is not a problem. I'm sensing a theme with you, Ella, which we (laughs) might get to in a little bit. Yes. So there's this bar in way up in the northwest of Canada in the Yukon uh, in Dawson City. It's called the Downtown Hotel. And they serve a drink there called the Sour Toe Cocktail. And the origin story of the Sour Toe is that this dude named Captain Dick uh, he was a bit of a <laughs> he was a bit of an adventurer. He had a lot of madcap schemes. Um, he started like the first naked beauty contest north of the 60th parallel or something. And what was this about a wolf poisoner? Yeah, he, he used to be a professional wolves? wolf poisoner, about which I can find no further details, which is so suspicious. Mm. Um, but he was like a truck driver. He had all these. He was a cowboy. Anyhow, the relevant part of the story for Captain Dick is that he was looking in an abandoned cabin on the outskirts of town one day in the 1970s and found a jar with a pickled toe in it and was like, what can I do with this? <laughs> Who was just randomly pickling toes? And, and, what, and why is your first thought, what can I do with this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not why is this here, maybe I should put this somewhere. It's, hmm, hmm. Captain Dick's seen a lot of things. Yeah, what can I do he with this? He probably was a necker pants wearer. Probably. <laughs> so he, after a few drinks, he, he happened upon a great use for this jar of toe. Um, and was like cocktail garnish, clearly. Obviously. So ever since, from 1973 onwards, the sour toe cocktail, which originally was <sighs> champagne with a pickled human toe in it, and has now... <laughs> when I think champagne. <laughs> yeah. You really want to class that up with a human toe. Right. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> because if you served it to everybody and they swallowed the garnish, you would need an inexhaustible supply of human toes, which is clearly impractical. Uh, the procedure is that you... You put the drink to your lips and your lips have to touch the human toe in order for it to be counted as you having drunk the sour toe cocktail. 
So what happens when somebody swallows the toe if they're too drunk and they yeah. swallow the toe? Because I have a feeling that's probably happened more than once. It's happened, I think, five times now. Oh, God. Um, the first time was oh. in 1980 when an intoxicated miner swallowed the, the first toe, oh. the jar toe from the cabin. And then some. Then how did you get another toe? So people are... Amazingly. Whoever drinks it has to offer up their toe. <laughs> yeah. That should be the rule. And so the, the cycle continues. If you drink the toe, if you swallow the toe, you have to provide your own toe. That should be that. the rule. That would make drunk people think twice. Yeah. Well, so amazingly, I mean, the first toe was apparently lost due to frostbite, the one that he found in the cabin. There have been several toes since then that people have submitted to become the new sour toe. Uh, more frostbite victims. But the most recent one was submitted in a jar with a little note that said, do not mow the lawn with open-toed sandals. <gasps> oh, dear God. Oh. I think just Ow. the, the <laughs> coinage of sour toe just sounds bad, too. Like, sour toe. Ben, would, well, you, would you do the sour toe? I think I would need to be sufficiently intoxicated before I even Agreed. considered letting a toe, uh, like a severed toe touch. Pickled might be nice. Um, uh, but lo- just ugh. yeah, like is it just like an open like do they treat it the at pictures, all? So the other than on the, pickling? the website are like black and that is yeah. nasty. It's shriveled, but the alcohol keeps it sterile. There's a it says here that there's a in your in the book that there's a chant that is oh. is spoken. I believe it's drink it fast or drink it slow. The lips have got to touch the toe. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> that's what it says. That's the rule. Would I, you I ever like that you're like that wasted with like a bunch of people like <laughs> drink it fast, drink it slower, either way you touch the toe. And then you like throw it back and you're like, you know, Ugh. grimacing as yeah. like a human toe. Ugh. Ella, <laughs> would you do, would you, would you let your lips touch the toe? I think I would, I think I would, uh, in Australian slang, I would skull that drink. Yes. Skull? Yeah. That's the word? Skull is, is like, how do you knock trans- it back real knock fast. It back. Pound, like, want, the, like, like in word. America, we say pound it. Pound it. In skull Australia, it. they say skull it. <gasps> I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to skull it back. I like that. Yes. Okay. Cool. So, uh, la- so now... How about a story about love? Oh, yes. And I love, love how you brought us a dark story about love. I know. You what brought us this? a very dark so story about death and love. destruction. There's like a severed head in it, probably, or <laughs> something like pickle, that. Basically, a pickled you know? severed head yeah. that you have to kiss. Uh, no, there are not. no human remains in this story that I know of, maybe, possibly. There but um, yeah, uh, Only the remains of love. Aww. But So in Zagreb, in Croatia, there's a museum of broken relationships And this started in 2006 when a couple who had broken up, both of whom were artists, were kind of joking around about how, oh, we should establish a museum for all the artifacts of our relationship. And then they were like, actually, we should do that. Mm. And ever since the Museum of Broken Relationships has been a thing, it started in Croatia and it's grown. It's become a traveling exhibition that's gone all around the world. Uh, One just opened up in L.A. And what it does is it takes... Uh, these artifacts from relationships that ordinarily you might throw away or keep somewhere in the back of a closet. Like what? Like love letter? Like old love letters or like gifts or like teddy bears and stuff like that? It's stuff like that, but it's also things like an axe, uh, which is one of my favorite stories from the the museum, which is this woman who uh, her girlfriend took up with another woman and then she found this out. They'd been living together and this woman was like, what are we doing about us living together? Are you going to come and get your furniture? And she said, yes, I will in two weeks. So while she was gone for these two weeks, this woman took an axe to one piece of furniture every day and left it in splinters. And so when she came back, it was just this room full of splinters of wood. 
And she was like, "That's so beautiful." Yeah, it's crazy but beautiful. <laughs> it is. Uh, Jen, is that something you would do? Like, yeah, that's such a great idea. I think I'm going to do that oh, next no, time. It's just no, it's poet. It's sort of poetic and beautiful. Oh and, God, and, and, it's beautiful in the abstract. But if I did that, you'd be like Ben. That's stop. It's, that's psychotic. Yes. yes, I would say that. But as somebody who still has, I mean, I still have a stupid teddy bear from 2000 and my childhood home and I still have a statue of two faces that said devotion on it that like I can't get rid of because they're significant but I would even though you're not devoted to the person no not at all so like but you know they're the kind of weird you know everybody has a box of pictures and poems I threw out a bunch of old love letters recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, I can't. I'll see poetry and song and love songs and it was more of like a pathetic. I mean, no, it was beautiful. It, oh, that was terrible. It's it was beautiful <laughs> and meaningful for a long time, oh. but it was more of like a desperate plea to get me back kind of thing, oh. which was nice. Oh. To, always nice to have time, someone grovel but... at your feet, you know. Right. But um, I didn't need it anymore. See, I bet that museum, the Museum of the Brokenhearted. Uh, museum, museum of, of Broken Relationships. Of broken Relationships. I bet that's very cathartic for people to get yeah. to. Because you said people can contribute. You can leave something if yes. you go there. And the the descriptions are very personal, but they're also anonymous. And it has the length of the relationship uh. and the location. But I think what I like about it is that by placing these things in a museum, anytime you put an object in that context, you automatically say this is worth looking at and respecting and that it's going to say something about like our culture or who we are mm. as human beings. And so it's a way of looking at relationships and breakups a bit differently. Right. Ella, do you happen to have an item from a past relationship that you might Con- like, that you would contribute to the <laughs> Museum of Broken Relationships? Oh, my goodness. I, can't, all my stuff I put is, you on the spot there, I know. Yeah, but. well, all my stuff is cliche, like a toy or a photo, which is kind of, I feel like it's not good for this museum because there are so many creative things there, like a garden gnome. Right. Um, yeah. So maybe you need well, what someone who's going to give you something better that you can... No, but, you know. I, but I, think it's in, I think it's in those little things where the significance is, you know, the little stuffed animals and the little... True. Oh, God, photos. you're such a... Do you have You're anything? So sappy. Fine, Ben. Do you have anything weird, interesting that you'd give to the Museum of Broken Relationships? I don't think I do. Um, so there you go. I maybe would give. No, I don't really have okay. anything. Well, I have a question for Ella. Then fine. <laughs> so, I, what I love when we get guests on who are more worldly in ways than Benjamin and I are, you've. In this book, you've collected stories from all around the world that are um, that most of us would not experience, that we would not have insight to. So what has it taught you about the way people um, love and the way that we sort of explore, like that we might not understand? It's been really interesting to see how people express themselves when love is the catalyst or the motivation. Like, we have a whole category in the book for self-built castles, which is, like, a castle built by one guy. Mm-hmm. And there are these people who wake up one day and are so motivated by something, whether that be love or not often hate. It's usually something positive, but something very strong. And they'll spend sometimes years, sometimes decades, building piece by piece this incredible construction. There are these things all around the world. And things like that, it's... You know, it's something that you might go past and think, that looks like a strange art project, maybe. I wonder what that's all about. But then when you read the story of how it came to be, it's like, oh, this guy spent decades creating this castle because of a 
you know, a woman who spurned him when he was yeah. 20. Well, I have a, that actually, you know, as part of my follow-up question to that is, do you find that these things that are built out of love, like a castle, like, is it ever built out of, like, fully reciprocated love or is it like always like a love that's unattainable that we then like go express <laughs> ourselves in like these like intense ways or is there ever just like a nice love that is like equally met that like inspires a castle like that uh, i gotta say it's probably 99 right <laughs> right <laughs> and the thing is i mean i guess the the motivation and the goal if you were to put like a if you were to make it a goal-oriented process, is like, I'll build this castle for 50 years and then she'll be really impressed and then everything will be fine. Which is also out. kind of creepy. And then yeah. you're like, we're at 80. But then, yeah. I mean, when you, I think when in the process of building these things, it becomes about something else. It yes. becomes about like, oh, I made this castle and the original motivation is now irrelevant because I now have this whole other construction that can live on. Yeah, which is beautiful. Which is very beautiful. <laughs> um, so, so the... The book is just an extension of the work that you've done with the website. What do you think about your yourself as a human being lends to this kind of work? Because you're the editor of the website. You have partners. You have co-writers on the book. And a lot of the content is um, given by your readers as well. Atlas Obscure is a, is a, is a community of people who are constantly telling you guys about these places. So what do you think this sort of world that you live in might say about you as a human being and where your own passions lie? I think a lot of it, I've seen this with both the people that work at Atlas Obscura and the people who submit things to it, is that we have this endless curiosity to know the stories behind things. Like I was, as a kid, I used to take this desktop encyclopedia that I got for free with my Carmen Sandiego video game. Um, I used to take it to bed and flip open to a random page and try to read like, what is going on in Nigeria? Like, what is this type of fashion that existed in the 18th century? I always want to know what the stories behind things are. And I think the the whole Atlas Obscura ethos is like, find out what's going on there. Find out what that person has to say. Don't don't assume you know what's going on. Mm. And that's that's something that is like the, the common factor. Awesome. Oh, I love that. Are you, can we ask you a personal question? Sure. Are you single right now? Uh, no. Are you not single right now? <laughs> no. So does your partner have the same sort of wanderlust and curiosity that you do? Definitely, definitely a sense of adventure. Okay. Yes. But not quite the same dare I say, obsession with... <laughs> Probably will not take an encyclopedia to bed, no. Okay. Has he built you a castle? Uh, she has not. She. <laughs> She's not built you a ca- Yet. See? She's yes. not built you a castle yet. Not yet, but we'll see. Okay, but you never if know. If you spurn because... her, if you want a castle, <laughs> you, you need to... If the book like... teaches you anything. It's yes. about walking away if you want a castle. That's right. <laughs> well, we have one more question to ask you before we get going. Ben, do you want to ask her? No, you, you look like you wanted to ask her a question. You go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you. We started the show sharing one, our favorite weird um, or obs- more obscure food excursion around the world. Do you have a meal that you've eaten around the world that you might that, that made you want to slap somebody? <laughs> well, it's, you know what? It's very interesting. I had not heard what stories you were going to share before, but when Ben mentioned uh, the violent appreciation of goulash, I have a similarly themed story. I was traveling with someone. We were going on a train trip from uh, London all the way down to Dubrovnik in Croatia, and so we took various trains to get there. 
and on the leg from, I think it was the Czech Republic to Zagreb, which is where the Museum of Broken Relationships is, uh, we had gotten on this train and I'm such a planner. I need to know like what the train schedule is, what we'll be doing and eating and where everything will be happening. Uh, the person I was traveling with was very much the opposite of that. Like, let's just grab a train. Who knows where it goes? So we got on this train and it was like a time capsule from Cold War era, era USSR. And we had no idea. We suddenly realized after a few hours of sitting in this old train, I don't know if there's any food or drink or where this... I think we know that where this train is going, but we're on this train for like 12 hours and we have maybe two small commemorative chocolates from Brussels as food. Uh, I don't really know what's about to happen. And then by some miracle, just as I was thinking, I'm going to starve, uh, this train guy in an old Soviet uniform comes walking down the aisle, knocks on our door of our little cabin, slides open the door and says, goulash. <gasps> and wheels this little cart in and it's the most incredible goulash uh, I've ever tasted. There was no menu, there was no choice, it didn't matter, it was the best It was thing. just goulash or no food. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I could have slapped him. It was so yes! Aww. Oh, oh, that's just delightful. Oh, goulash with... Goulash is delicious. Goulash with no you. menu. I feel like that's... <laughs> Who needs a menu when goulash is when, an option? That's when all you need. Goulash, that is all you need. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really, really fun show. Thank you for we having appreciate me. appreciate it. Uh, readers, you can find Ella... Uh, readers, listeners, you can find Ella on Twitter as at Ella Morton and Atlas Obscura as at Atlas Obscura. They're atlasobscura.com. There's information about them and stories on our website, website lovebitesradio.com you can obviously find the book on Amazon and other platforms and we highly suggest you do that is our show for today uh, come back next week as we continue exploring with our horoscopes and astrology with a fear of the astro twins Deta- details on that show also on our website and on all social platforms as at lovebitesradio until then thanks always to our engineer Pierre our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion and we are Ben Rosenblatt and Jacqueline Raposo we'll be back at the same time next week here at heritageradionetwork.org later For listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. We're just the same.